Hello everyone, I hope you're doing well on this final day of 2020. On today's episode of Talent Storm, we're doing a recap of some of our favorite highlights throughout the year. I hope you enjoy it, and if you have any suggestions for 2021, please don't hesitate to reach out to us at talentstorm at interviewstream.com. Thanks for listening. you start one people are more open to it now but two like you build better relationships full stop it's the same thing as getting and meeting someone in person face to face in my realm once you can actually see someone's face and read their reactions you become more than just a drone on the phone you know what i mean or uh, you know what i mean you're not just some random person who's cold calling them or you're not just some recruiter who's calling them out of the blue they can see you're a real person and then vice versa you get a better feeling for what the candidate's about in my job a lot of times if it's more bd focused like i'm able to i'm both able to build better relationships when it's on video but it's also easier to do video calls now than it was to do face-to-face meetings six months ago third iteration of our virtual onboarding experience, you know, for new candidates. I mean, we, we hired 24 people in Q2 all remotely and onboarded them all remotely. And so we've certainly learned a lot through that experience, but I also know, and I'm sure, you know, you can appreciate if, if, if the, the employees that you're bringing on don't have a good experience through the hiring process, 
and mm-hmm. then don't have a good experience through the onboarding process, you're setting yourself for up yeah. for, you know, first year turnover, which in my opinion is like the worst thing organizations can deal with. I can't reiterate enough that now is the time you need to really come up with what your remote work plan is um, because candidates are absolutely judging you based on that. And it's hard because, you know, we don't know when this is going to end. You know, a lot of companies don't know what their office space situation is. You know, it's just, it's kind of a weird up in the air time, but we are full stop seeing offers get rejected because candidates want to know, are you a five day a workplace? Are you three days a week? Like what's your plan if this happens again? And companies that don't have a good answer for that, actually companies that say we're gonna go back to five days a week, like you're dreaming, you're not gonna get top talent at all. Most people that I work with are already performing at a pretty high level or they've elevated to some level of success or or they want to, um, so they have that motivation. I'm not here to change them. It's just find a little tweak in the way you're doing things, a little adjustment. And what I've learned is that those little shifts can give you a big impact. When I'm coaching somebody, everything's in play, right? So many people will tell me, well, this is work and this is not work. And I draw the line. And and the reality of it is you're not two different people, right? You're one person. What impacts the work life is going to impact your life outside work. What's going on outside work impacts the workplace. So wherever you make that adjustment, if it unkinks the hose a little bit and lets the water flow, that's going to impact every aspect of your life. Hey, you're finding the talent, you're grooming the talent, but you're helping organizations hire for the best fit for what it is that they do, which, you know, You've seen, how many times have you seen someone that's just super smart, but they're a bad fit for the organization, and then it, it doesn't really work, right? It, not everyone is the right fit for every company. So it's, it's, culture is about finding the right fit as much as it is grooming and developing those people. That's oftentimes the barrier to doing this kind of work, I find, right? is people think it's, and it is complex, but the complexity kind of scares people off from kind of going down this path, right? They know their data is messy. They know people are messy, right, in general. Right. Um, and so and so sometimes that's an easy reason to not be more data-driven and you go, well, I don't know, we'll just go with somebody's gut, right? Um, but I think for companies that want to be more data-driven, getting really clear around the business outcomes you're trying to drive is, is really the first step. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, we're, we're all in the people business, right? I mean, right. If, if, we're, if we have a company, which by definition is a collection of people, then, then we're in the people, right? And so I think, you know, being really crystal clear about um, what aspects of your culture you both want to retain Um, and aspects of your culture that you may need to flex and grow as your business evolves. Culture is everyone's responsibility, right? It's not just an edict that comes down from leadership that says, hey, you know, we, we expect you to behave in this way. We expect you to do these things, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, it's, it's fostering the environment and giving and empowering each of them to take ownership of that with us. 
know, from the minute that we engage with a potential client, you know, and starting with, um, you know, Tim and the business development team, we are talking to these folks as they are human beings and we're really trying to understand a lot about them um, we obviously need to know their business requirements use cases all the things that we need to do to to do our work well um, but it really is about getting to know the people HR now has the opportunity to truly be strategic, right? We are no longer tactical note takers and administrators and all those types of things. We create this technology so now HR can truly be out front and be focused on organizational health, trust, culture, you know, all the things, as you said a moment ago, years ago had been, you know, lip service basically, right? Because we didn't right. make the time or the investment to do those things. And now, we have the time because of these systems, right? This technology is affording us that. And I wanted to make one more point, exactly what you said. Technology does not mean that we no longer need humans. Absolutely, because I think a lot of people think that employee engagement means happy, and it doesn't. When you have an engaged employee, it means that they trust your senior leaders and they feel an emotional connection to your organization, an emotional connection to your brand. And because those two things are in play, those employees come to work every single day and they go above and beyond the call of duty and give you a ton of discretionary effort. But just because somebody is happy and they're playing ping pong and drinking a beer doesn't mean that they're going above and beyond the call of duty and giving you a lot of discretionary effort. Right. Right. They could just be having fun at work. Right. So there really is such a difference. And again, you know, do we like to be around people who are happy? 100%. Of course. But right. happy is not engaged. No, I love that distinction. I think that's such an important distinction that probably most people associate those two together and they're actually distinct. It's your culture, how we do things here, the environment in which you're asking your employees to do their job that has a major bearing on whether or not they step up and go that 100% discretionary effort. know open honest transparent communication right really helps to bridge the divide between employees and senior leaders it's really about organizations being thoughtful and thinking about how can we line up everybody together in the same direction and lead them in that direction and inspire them to move in that direction so that they all go in that same direction together and feel that connectedness, the collaboration. And then of course, if you're moving in the same direction, there's got to be a lot of communication, right? And holding people accountable. It's just a business model that's all good. What we're hearing from employees in droves is that companies, you need to step up my level of connection. You need to step up my feeling that I'm being communicated with, and you need to step up collaboration. To me, ethical vigilance is about, first of all, recognizing that ethics should be at our core in every decision, in every action, in every behavior.
vigilance is about committing to the, the actual discipline that it takes to make good decisions. And what I share in my TEDx talk, which I did a few years ago, is uh, it's a five-step process and it's not rocket science. Um, and the five steps are you pause. And when you don't pause, then you can't do the second step, which is listen to your inner voice. So when you pause, then you have the, 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 the ability to recognize and listen to your inner voice, which, by the way, we can call by different names, right? You can call it your gut, intuition, uh, God, the universe, your moral, moral compass. There's so many names for it. We all have it. We're all born with it. We grow into it. We learn as we go. Um, so once you listen to your inner voice, then you can reflect on it. Uh, and then you can do what I call an ethical reality check. So we all have, there's a, a line, right? There's a line down the middle of what's ethical. And we all know what's right from wrong, what's good, bad, you know. And there, But the problem is there's this huge gray area around that line. And so you want to find yourself in the gray area on the right side of the line because that's where the good stuff happens. Uh, but if you don't reflect on your inner voice, sometimes bad decisions are going to happen. Um, once you have then done an ethical reality check, then the fifth step is you make the best conscious decision that you can. And the kicker is no matter the consequences because likely at some point in your life when you make a good decision, you will be risking losing something. Statistics show, uh, you know, that that when you when an organization commits to values-based leadership, values-based principles, you know, values-based action, um, it absolutely translates and converts into a higher ROI. Also, one last thing that I always do in every interview is I use uh, what I call the boss test, and that simply means I always ask myself that question. Would I be okay reporting into this person I'm looking to hire? I'm a firm believer is basically operating with end in mind. Mm -hmm. So depending on what I'm hoping to accomplish, let's say it's this particular target, particular product, or you know, in this case, and I launched in this kind of incubation team, what is the purpose of the incubation team? So I try to think of with the end in mind. If there's anything I would say, uh, one thing I would say is just to be authentic and transparent. Yeah. Um, I think oftentimes there's a misconception is that leader has to be perfect. Mm -hmm. um, you know, being put on a pedestal, knowing everything and anything. But honestly, at the end of the day, people care about leaders who now who leads with their heart, um, you know, who's relatable, understand people's shortcoming, who's willing to be transparent and vulnerable. And this is where a lot of job seekers go wrong because a lot of people put their yeah. eggs in the HR basket. Uh, and, and, and that organization has, has really vir virtually no influence on the hiring process. They are phone screeners on the front end. Um, but the what the hell approach is all about what the hell do you have to lose by doing things that other job seekers are not doing. When you think of yourself as a product, I am a product. I have products and services that I can offer. I have value. And you've got to begin to market yourself as if you are a product. And so many of us were grown up in an environment where we talked about we, the team. This is your opportunity to brag about yourself.
but I have coached a lot of folks who've gotten rejected by the applicant tracking system, literally within 15 minutes, they've got this dear John letter that says, sorry, but you're not a fit with what we're looking for. I've still been able to get them interviews because we go around that. It's just a piece of software um, and they don't have a voice. They don't really know you as a person um, and they're looking for keyword matches. It's search engine optimization driven. And so you go around them and you go to the people that have the influence, that have the decision-making authority and own the budget. One of the problems that we we had heading into, you know, what turns out to be the most transformative year ever, just having complete timely line of sight to your workforce. Where is everybody? Who is everybody? What capabilities can you even deliver? Like real, know your people as well as Amazon knows your people. <laughs> like right. having that line of sight in a timely way so that you can make actionable decisions in the moment. First and foremost, yes, yes, customers matter. Yes, customers are king. Yes, customer experience. We all we love to obsess over it and should, but you've got to start with workforce experience, or no one can deliver on that. And then, what will that require? What do you need talent to deliver to the business in order to execute on that vision? Because your people strategy needs to be heavily bolted to, to the North Star that is your, your business strategy. Then, then I think you're sort of missing a massive opportunity to actually, you can impact performance, certainly, but how you sort of measure and support and empower that performance actually has everything to do with me. Am I happy? Am I okay? And we don't have those conversations. For some reason, we don't, you know, managers check up on people, but you don't check in with people. One of the things that we forget is that these individuals, I, I think, you know, human resources is the most valuable resource within the organization because none of that matters if the person isn't working right. But we forget about what fuels this person. I mean, we know that our cars don't work unless we put gas or plug them in. We know that, you know, same thing with our computers or the equipment, in, you know, in the, in the factories. But what fuels the human body? It right. doesn't happen by accident. When I say fuel, I talk about small changes in the way that we eat, sleep, move, and think that fuels the human body. It's easy to start focusing on the one or two things going wrong versus the hundreds of things that are going right. And like everything, that becomes a habit. And you start fixating on that one thing that's not going well. And look, you, you said there's multiple things that are creating stress right now, right? Pandemic, mm -hmm. this election that... I thought I thought we were done with it, but apparently we're not. Right? It's, it's, <laughs> right. it's, it's the gift that keeps on. We, we may be turning the corner, but you know who knows. <laughs> but but also, you know, and so when you think about that one good thing, it changes your energy. You had a really excellent cup of coffee today. It doesn't have to be earth shattering. 
but it shifts your entire focus. And that's real. That's not invented. When you think about those things that you're grateful for that are going good in your life, that changes your energy and your attitude. And, and you know that that impacts how, how uh, uh, your business runs. So once we know kind of how we want to show up and then we've found a time that we didn't show up that way, then it's about recognizing it. And the first few times it happens, it, it doesn't happen in that call, right? It happens over the next few weeks be between the next call. And if they could say, gosh, you know what? I had this conversation with my spouse or I had this conversation with my coworker or my boss and man, it didn't go well. And it wasn't until an hour later or the next day that they thought, man, I, you know, I should have done something different. And that's when you start shooting yourself, right? Be careful of that. But until they're aware of that and, and what, what they say is they get bummed out about that. I'm like, look, that's actually progress that you recognize that even though it was a day later, that's progress. Now the goal that you and I would work on is how do we shorten and compress that time frame so that it's not the next day or an hour later when you're driving home going, man, I should have done something different. It's not as simple as, hey, we can make that adjustment from day one. It takes a little bit of, you know, looking inward before you can start kind of having that work externally. To receive praise is just as important to receive it gracefully, you know, graciously, mm -hmm. because look at it when someone's praising you as their gift to you, and you should receive it the same way versus negating it. I, I never personally had an issue giving praise, mm -hmm. but early on in my career, I really struggled receiving praise. Mm -hmm. And and I think that distinction that you made is very important because mm -hmm. you need to create the space for yourself to receive it. Because like yes. you said, it's a gift and it's an acknowledgement from somebody else about you. Uh, thing to keep in mind when you work with your colleagues, for example, who are in China or India or Europe, uh, or of course other parts of the world, um, you certainly want to engage with them and understand them, who they are as people and what their culture um, helps them bring to the table, what kind of ideas and interesting perspectives they have from that perspective. Uh, but you can look for points of commonality as well around how business is done or how technology is used. Different perspectives driving different potential options that you might not have thought of before because you have an array of backgrounds, you have an array of ways of working that would otherwise not drive innovation, not spark creativity, if you have just a bunch of people who all look the same or work the same or act the same working together. You know, you talk about inspiration, and to me, leadership is about, inspiration will come to people themselves. But you, what you can provide them with is context, information, resources, experience, feedback, an ear, uh, being vulnerable with them and showing them there's a way of working that helps make them feel comfortable to be their authentic self. Yeah, 
absolutely. In fact, um, just in the couple of years I've been here, we, we've hired a number of folks just based off of our interviews with them and our relationship with them, and we've crafted roles around them. So again, a much more strategic approach to hiring, and we have the luxury, again, of, of looking at you know over 40 different businesses uh, where we can find the right entry point for uh, these athletes, as we like to call them. We look for people with a lot of different skills and a lot of grit. Um, and again, just finding the right entry point is so important um, for them and for us, right? This is a mutual partnership. So the trust piece is self-explanatory, right? We do what we say and we say what we do. Um, the bias for action is just as important because what that means to us is there's nothing beneath us, literally nothing. If we see something that needs to get done, we're gonna roll up our sleeves, we're gonna get our hands dirty. You know, we don't have hierarchy and, and bureaucracy. And so we really Love expect it. our leaders who come in to be equally as strategic as they are tactical. tying it back to talent acquisition, it can be difficult for uh, TA professionals if um, they're not used to the veteran, um, you know, jargon or language, right, on a, a resume. And so some people may pass that by because they might not understand it. And so sometimes it's just as um, simple as educating your TA professionals on, on how to either interpret that or more importantly, um, we're trying to help veterans and there's a lot of organizations out there that are helping them transform their resumes. So it's more of a, a civilian type of um, you know, background or, or civilian speak uh, for lack of a better word.